Hey, everybody, and welcome to a very special Android Central podcast. My name is Daniel Bader, and I'm so happy to have four wonderful people on the pod today. I am obviously talking about Kevin Michaluk, the C Chief Awesome Officer, CAO of Mobile Nations. <laughs> How are Close you? Enough. <laughs> Pretty good. I think it's Chief Operating Officer, but it's all the same thing. Call me I, what I, you I, want. Just don't call me late for dinner. All right, well. Or or late for a podcast talking about Blackberries. Well, that's why you're on. So we're gonna we're gonna get to that. But first I'm gonna introduce Chris Parsons, Blaze. How are you, man? Hello, hello. I'm doing pretty good. How are Welcome you? Welcome to the AC Podcast. I'm so happy to have you. I don't think you've been on for a very long time, if ever. Certainly mm, not under I, my tenure. No, not under your tenure. I've been on a few times, but this is the first one with you, so thanks for having me on. Oh, I'm so happy to, to have you. We're going to talk BlackBerry Key 1. But uh, before that, we have Michael Fisher, Mr. Mobile. Welcome back, sir. How are you? Thank you. I'm very well now that I'm joining you fine folks. Really, thank you for having me. I am excited to keep talking about this phone we've been talking about for uh, like four months. Yeah, not a, <laughs> not a hint of sarcasm in there at all. No, I'm, I'm actually serious because I, I, I could talk about this phone forever and uh, I guess we'll get to that, but I, I am excited and I'm happy to be here. Thank you. And editor of Dope-ish, Jerry Hildenbrand, how you doing? Don't cuss. The boss is here. Don't cuss. Exactly. Jerry. Be good. I'm fine. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. So we are all gathered together today to celebrate the marriage of BlackBerry and TCL Communications. <laughs> they have joined together in holy matrimony to bring out their first and best BlackBerry device. We're talking about the Key One. Embargo's lifted today. We can say whatever the hell we want. So we have... A lot of different content here. Kevin, you wrote the review for Crackberry. Mr. Mobile, you did a video. It's embedded on the AC review. I wrote a review. Jerry, you compared it to the Priv. We'll start with you, Michael. What are your overarching impressions for anybody, for the like the four people on the internet who haven't seen your video yet? <laughs> Do you know what the strange thing is, is that I still, coming away from this experience, I still think this is certainly not a phone for for everyone and it's not built to be for everyone i can probably count on one hand the number of people in my life who i'd recommend it to um but that being said I, this has been a, served as a sort of reminder that um just because a phone is not built to topple uh the iphone sales records or records or you know kill the galaxy s8 doesn't mean it's it's not worth checking out looking at and won't necessarily find its own audience uh i i really personally quite like this phone and i i've i've liked it an awful lot especially in the past what it's four o'clock uh 16 hours <laughs> 18 hours yeah <laughs> because everything sort of got fixed very recently uh which i imagine we'll talk about but so i'm split personally i i have adore it i've not moved on from it as i normally do after a review goes up i'm so sick of the phone usually that i'm like get this out of my face just get me into anything else but i love this thing and i'm gonna keep holding on to it for a little bit so that's that's where i'm at right now well thank you speaking of holding on Kevin, you've had this thing for longer than any of us. Yeah, I've been a very, uh, very lucky boy in that respect. I helped Black. Well, this is—I mean, this is the BlackBerry that brought me out of 
kind of crackberry retirement and got me using a blackberry again because i sort of you know i think we've all had our hearts broken by the company enough time over the past few years and i think around three years ago once the apps didn't come to blackberry 10 i kind of said okay that's it i'm done um but i saw the mercury as it was coding back then back in january and i liked it i liked the hardware immediately you know i liked that it was running the latest version of Android so I could have all my apps and I wouldn't have to, you know, carry a second phone with me like I've always had to with the BlackBerry the last few years. And uh, I was lucky enough to help BlackBerry Mobile unveil it on stage at Mobile World Congress in Barcelona. And they let me go home from there with a, with a key one so, uh, or a few key ones. So I've, I've been playing with it for a couple months now. And uh, it's been interesting. You know, I think my, my wife is the one who says, like, Kevin, you really like this phone because it's been in my hand. It's been an appendage to my body since I've gotten it more than any other smartphone the past several years that I've used, whether that's iPhones or Galaxies or Google Pixel phones. So there's something about it that clearly resonates with, uh, with me, at least. That or your fingers just stuck in that style ring. <laughs> yeah, but, I, you know, sometimes I take the style ring off. That's a separate <laughs> podcast, but... Uh, uh, yeah, it works. It's it's, it's working, and we're, I love that battery life, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. We're saving the uh, the Style Ring podcast for the 400th episode. It's, <laughs> it's going to be a real big deal that one. So, Blaze, I want to ask you. So, you've used every BlackBerry since you know from from probably the the early kind of uh, communicators and beyond. Um, first, how long have you had the Key One, and what? Does this phone, which BlackBerry does this phone remind you of just in terms of like the overall look and, and, and feel and, and, and what, it, what it kind of what emotions it brings out? Because I, I know, you know, this is a BlackBerry is an emotional company to a lot of people, especially us Canadians. Yeah. Um, when, it, when I think about how long I've had the key one, it's kind of a kind of a sketchy answer <laughs> because I had a pre-production device that I was allowed to use for a little while. And uh, be able to go ahead and use that. But um, I got sent a review unit last week to be able to go ahead and, and get the most recent software version and everything. Um, so it's been a little little over a week that I've been using, I think, around there. But uh, again, I've been following Kevin along um, since Mobile World Congress and everything like that. So um, I've had the opportunity to play with it off and on and continuously since I picked up the review unit. Um, but it, to me, it reminds me, uh, when I think back to devices that you know stick out in my mind, it reminds me a lot of the BlackBerry Bold 9900 in terms of my emotional connection to it, I guess you could say. is um, Because um, the Bold 9900 was and probably is one of, a lot of people's favorite devices in the in the BlackBerry world, and and you know that device got a lot of use. That was something that a lot of people really attached themselves to in the BlackBerry world. Um, and the Key One reminds me a lot of that, especially the emotional connection, because it's kind of like I've seen the headline, you know, where BlackBerry ret- it, it's a return to form, or, or you know, it, it bring back uh, bring back uh, familiar. Uh, territory and stuff like that and that that's entirely correct i agree with all that because it is like the bold 9900 for me and the emotional connection that i had to that device it's like picking up um the bold 9900 all over again but you don't have to worry about any of the problematic things that 
uh, were associated to that device. You get the latest Android OS. You get all of the applications that you want on there. Uh, the keyboard is laid out very beautifully, and you can you know bang on those keys the way that you used to on on the bold ninety nine hundred devices. So, I mean that's that's where I'm coming from with it in in terms. Of, and I've heard other people make uh, you know comparisons to more recent devices, and I don't. Everybody's entitled to their opinion, but I think the bold ninety nine hundred is the area that I could most likely relate the key one to because it, it just simply feels that that greatness of that time period within right. the within the key one itself. So, to to put it into context, the BlackBerry Bold ninety nine hundred came out in August twenty eleven, so that's six years ago, and it ran it ran BBOS six which at the time was an updated version of BlackBerry OS that supported touch. Um, that was a beast. I mean, I loved that phone. I was like Blaze. I used it. It was attached to me so for so long. Even, even as I had Android phones in my other pocket, it was always faster just to type on a keyboard. Um, and we'll talk about that in a bit, but I want to I ask Jerry because... You know, we moved from BlackBerry OS to BB10, and there were some great phones in both of those categories. But November 2015 heralded the debut of the Priv, and the Priv was the first BlackBerry phone to run Android. And it was an ambitious phone. It had a curved glass display from Samsung. It had a pretty, you know, solid spec sheet, 18 megapixel camera, and it had a keyboard. It was a slider like the Torch. Jerry, you loved the Priv. I mean, you. One of the first reviews I ever read of yours was the Priv, um, and well, sorry, uh, Russell <laughs> did the review for the Priv, but you wrote about it, and I'm sure I did. Yeah, I and I loved. I, I did. I, I loved the way that like you you approached it from the angle of like a security guy. But now that you've used both of them, I mean, you wrote this today. You think the the key one is just like fundamentally better. Oh yeah, I. I like an Android phone with a keyboard. Now, I was a longtime BlackBerry guy. Uh, started, you know, where I worked. We got BlackBerry pagers when they first came out, the old, you know, ancient pagers. And it went on from there. And, I mean, I had a, a Curve World Edition in my hands eight, ten hours a day, every day for ten years. Quick model number check. And... Somebody uh, probably in eighty eight thirty. Eighty eight thirty. Yeah, totally. There you go. It was officially Sprint, but it was a World Edition. I mean, I think Mister Mobile might remember when my last one blew up. The battery expanded and it blew up while I was using it. <laughs> that was just a few, like a month ago. Yeah. I, I love the phone because I can put my thumb on it and I don't have to look. I can type, and there are no more typos than the way I normally communicate, and I can just do it, and I can do it quickly. So. A physical keyboard and I get along really well. The Priv brought that back. I love the slider form factor, even though it caused some mechanical issues. You know, there were a lot of Privs out there that were really crappily built. Sorry, BlackBerry, but that's the truth. Truth. Yep. How and, many of us had like three I, or four of those? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I had to go through two, but I found one that was solid all around and it's still here. But I was willing to 
do the things you needed to do to keep the priv usable. My priv is fully updated and all I have to do is stick my SIM card in it and I can go like I never left off. I still use it. This is, oh my God, this is a hundred times better. This is exactly what I wanted. What Motorola tried to do five years ago and just failed. This is, this is it. This is a really great keyboard on a basically plain Jane Android phone that you can do your Android stuff on. I, I think it's great. It's, I'm as excited about this as I was about the Pixel. And if you know me, that's saying a lot. That is saying a lot. Kevin, I, I want to ask you, because you maybe have the best insight into this. Why did BlackBerry, the Canadian company, not TCL that licenses the BlackBerry name, why did BlackBerry not build this phone two or three years ago? Why did it take so- them... <laughs> You know, selling this license to another company to build it. So this phone has like five or six code names to it. I mean, we most recently learned about it as the the Mercury when we saw it, you know, unveiled in Vegas. Uh, Crackberry leaked photos of it. I mean, Blaze, when was it? Two years ago? I mean, I, I know the person who leaked it. We won't say mm-hmm. his name. It was literally but, right after the release of the Priv. <laughs> yeah, right after the release of the Priv. And the, the code name was Vienna. But I have friends who used to work at BlackBerry who they go back, like, this goes back to, like, 2013. And the earliest reference mock-ups were basically, they took a Z10. Like, if, and if you look at the size of the screen, it's very much like a Z10. Mm-hmm. And they stuck it on top of a Q10 and they said, why don't we build that? <laughs> and, and, this, and, and that was the, like, the, the catalyst or the original thought of this kind of form factor. And it almost got built a couple of times. And finally, you know, it got scrapped, right? And they, they had the option to build this phone. But, you know, in the, in the last couple of years, as BlackBerry kind of, and, and under the leadership of John Chen, they just said, you know what, we don't really want to keep heavily investing into phones. They looked for alternate paths. So when you look at the DTEC series, you know, BlackBerry didn't design and manufacture those the way they had Blackberries before it. You know, in this case, they, they basically took reference designs and you know, they, they stuck a BlackBerry logo on them and they did some optimization and tweaking, but it wasn't a ground up designed and built BlackBerry like the Priv was. And they just didn't want to, they didn't put the money into it. So I think when, when the licensing agreement got done, um, you know, TCL, BlackBerry Mobile is very lucky to basically be able to walk in and I think look at this phone that was, you know, more or less already designed for them by BlackBerry. So it wasn't a fresh start. And I mean, it makes sense, right? Like that TCL deal, that licensing deal just happened at the end of last year. And this is a, you know, custom ground, you know, built BlackBerry. If TCL was starting this from day one, I mean, most phones like this have, I'd say, at least a year lead time from at a minimum from, you know, conception to reality. So they were able to come in with a head start. And I think working with BlackBerry and BlackBerry said, you know, this one was kind of designed or at least partially designed by BlackBerry built by, by TCL. They had the benefit of uh, of that head start, but why didn't BlackBerry launch it themselves sooner? I think they made a mistake, and I think you said it. You know, the the Priv was a very ambitious design, and I think uh, it they they overshot doing it. You know, they would have been much better off to release this form factor first, and then maybe done a Priv like slider as a follow up to it once they were already established in in Android. But I, but I think what happened too is. They also didn't want to overhang their BlackBerry 10 sales too soon. So if you looked at the, if you look at the key one, it is an Android phone built for BlackBerry users. 
But with the Priv, what they were doing was they were building a BlackBerry for Android users. You know, and that's why it was like, well, we'll do a full touch screen. We'll put in pretty high-end specs because the Android, you know, the Android folks want that. We're going to put in that, that, that keyboard underneath. But it wasn't a very good keyboard. It wasn't a, like a BlackBerry keyboard. It, it sacrificed a lot. And, and I think they messed up. I think, I think this phone you know, now brings the, the people still on BlackBerry 10 phones, the people still on, on BBOS phones. And I mean, I think there's, I, I mean, talking about the Bold 9900 earlier, I think there's probably a couple million people in the world still rocking Bold 9900s. And those people need an upgrade path. So I think the key one is finally the phone for anybody who's still on a BlackBerry OS phone to make the switch to Android and let this be the device that very much feels 100% BlackBerry but is 100% Android. And after this, you might start to see more, you know, more designs come, whether they're full touchscreen or, or you know, maybe there's a key two down the road that uh, that that broaden the audience back to, you know, people who are just on Android or iOS today and maybe haven't been BlackBerry users in the past. So I, I want to before we move on to the key one and, and go through the the hardware and the experience. I just want to talk a little bit about the genesis of this form factor because um, when I was at Mobile Syrup, we, you know, I, I did a whole lot of l- l- research, and I, I, I want to call it research, but it was a little bit of digging into um, a program that BlackBerry was working on at the time that would turn the Passport into an Android phone, right? And there was there was talk of it was talk of having a passport form factor, essentially a, a passport, same specs, running Android. But the the issue was that they couldn't optimize Android for the one-to-one aspect ratio. Um, I mean, I don't know how much you can say about this, but is there is there any truth to that? Yes. Totally. I, I know from the Google side, there was a lot of work to try to make that happen, and it just didn't pan out. And Jerry, I mean, is is Android now like we we have a key one that's a considerably more vertical friendly aspect ratio? It's a three by two, but is black is is Android on NuGet a, a much more uh, amenable software experience to that kind of scaling, or you know, is a is a one to one aspect ratio phone even possible today, or is it? You know th- that idea would just get scrapped. It, I think it would get scrapped because it, it's possible for most of the apps that you would find in Google Play. But as soon as somebody needs to use native code and use the native development kit, or or use something like Unity, all that goes out the window. You have to make it extremely difficult and very special build just for a square screen. And developers aren't going to do it unless yeah. you build a phone with a square screen that sells seventy million units. Uh, well, yeah, that's the so, address isn't even there. Yeah, I mean that's the, that's the bad news. But you know, no, sorry, people who still rock a passport. Um, but let's talk key one because this is you know this is the successor. This is the this is the the spiritual and physical successor. I think in so many ways. So Kevin, um, you know, you've had this longer than us. Are are the is the app experience is the is the overall user experience what you would you know is it up to par it, is there are there any sacrifices at all that you found using your so favorite apps really, yeah i was really shocked i expected there t- to be more sacrifice and there hasn't been and i mean to to set the context of the what i you know switched to the key one from 
you know, I was using an iPhone 7 Plus predominantly since it came out. And then I switched to the Google Pixel XL. And I switched to the DTEK60 briefly. And then I switched to the Key One. So, so mainly I've been on big touchscreen phones, whether iOS or Android. So my fear with the Key One was I was going to feel the screen was maybe small because I was on plus-size devices. And, you know, never once since I've used it have I ever looked at the screen and thought, oh, the screen's too small. It's a, it's a big screen, right? Like it's, you know, if you, if you put it to the, you know, next to just a regular-sized iPhone or, you know, regular-sized Galaxy S7 or 8 or Pixel, you know, it's, it's pretty much on par, right? It, it is a big display. So having the keyboard there doesn't feel like it's sacrificing real estate the way it would on older BlackBerry devices, right? Because if you do think about those phones like the BlackBerry Bold 9900 or the Classic, uh, you had, you know, on the Bold 9900, you had this little rectangular uh, display, very much landscape orientation. You know, the Classic gave you a, a one-to-one ratio display, a little bit bigger. You know, the Passport kept that ratio but went even bigger, but kind of almost funky at that point, or just a little bit wonky to what you'd expect to use. But, but the Key One brings you very much like a regular touchscreen orientation size display with the keyboard, and, and it's big. So, you know, the, the, the aspect ratio makes things like, you know, watching Mr. Mobile YouTube videos maybe just a little bit, you know, mm. let's say 95% as good as, as it might be on a different display that's more, you know, straight, uh, you know, widescreen friendly. But I never feel like I'm sacrificing, and especially because it is a communication-centric device. It's not a media-centric device. You know, I'm right. not buying this for watching VR on it. I'm buying it to, to get stuff done, and I think it really works well for that. And in many apps, um, you actually have more real estate because the keyboard isn't... You don't have a software uh, keyboard taking up half the display when you're doing something like typing an email or typing in WhatsApp. So I actually have more screen real estate than even those plus-size phones. So it's been minimal. I noticed when I first sent an email with it that, wow, there's a lot of empty space down here that is usually taken up by a keyboard. Somebody should do something with it. So Kevin hit it on the head. There are times when it's better. Yeah, that's and, and also a weird edge case that I discovered about halfway through the process is if you're doing uh, multi-screen, if you're doing two two apps side by side on any other phone, the minute you call up a text field, it, it ruins it because... You know, if you're running YouTube up top and Twitter down below and then you want to make a tweet, well, the virtual keyboard pops up and obscures everything on the bottom pane. But on this, well, the keyboard's already there. So I, I was really surprised to find uh, th- that there there is actually one thing you can point to in addition to all the other stuff that everyone always talks about, the shortcuts and the BlackBerry, all the BlackBerry stuff. It's actually just useful for hardcore Android multitaskers. Yeah, I mean, you have a sufficient number of pixels and i don't know the exact percentage compared to a 19 uh, a, 10, a 16 by 9 screen off the top of my head but you have 16 20 by 1080 so you have um horizontally the same number of pixels that you would on uh you know any 1080p display you just have a slight slightly fewer pixels vertically and as you said many many times while using the phone those pixels are taken up by either virtual home buttons, uh, virtual buttons on screen or the virtual keyboard. Now, Kevin, you, you mentioned in your review that, you know, you, you found that uh, using the phone to communicate is like 
far easier. And and I I know this sounds obvious, but like so many of us were BlackBerry addicts, CrackBerry addicts back in the day, right? And this was our fundamental use case for these products. We'd use BBM, we'd use email, and there wasn't a whole lot else to do, right? But do you find that you spend more time responding to email on your key one rather than defaulting to your computer? Like, do you find yourself doing more of the same old things again? Yeah, and that's what I found weird because I wasn't consciously trying to do that. And, and, you know, I, I think Michael and I were catching up the other day and we had this discussion where it's not that you're actually faster with a physical keyboard. Like if you do a race between a touch, somebody typing on a touch screen, somebody typing on a physical keyboard and, you know, regular, let's say controlled settings, we're just sitting in our chairs by our computers, but with our phones in hand, you're probably going to go faster on the touch screen. But, but it's this accuracy that gives you a confidence that you're not ever going to get stuck in autocorrect hell. And at any time, right? So <laughs> I can be walking and typing. I can be in the, you know, I call it like the, the New York City taxi cab test. I'm, I'm going through Midtown, getting bounced around the car, and I can still be like pounding out messages in the, in the back seat uh, with accuracy. And, and because you know you're just never going to get stuck, you know, hitting the delete, delete and hitting the wrong words, I think you just commit to it more. And, you know, so in a given race, maybe it's not faster to be on the physical keyboard, but, but I found, you know, once I got back into the typing rhythm, which, you know, took a, took a few days, right? It took me two or three days to get used to a physical keyboard again, and probably another three days before I started to really love it again. Uh, you know, the muscle memory comes back, like it is more work pressing buttons and, you know, you, you get a little bit, I don't, I don't think I ever got calluses, but you know, your, your thumbs toughen <laughs> up a little bit. They get tender. Uh, they, they, they get tender at the start. Like it's a different, it's a different physical activity. But once you're back in the mode, I just attack the phone now when I use it. And, you know, probably the only real negative is my wife yells at me because early morning, late at night, we're lying in bed and, and she just hears me and she's like, shut up already. Cause it's like, click, 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 click. Like I'm pushing those buttons nonstop. That's so uh, true. Versus, That's a, versus like, a touchscreen is silent. <laughs> it's funny. The last time, and I, I was just thinking about this, the last time that I used a Blackberry like that, you know, late at night tapping away on a keyboard, I was still a bachelor. So I, I haven't had that experience <laughs> as a married man, but yeah, you're, when it's you share change. a bed with you're somebody, yelled at. yeah, you're going to, you're totally going to get yelled at. I, I want to ask Michael, you know, you said in your, in your review, in your video review that you actually issued a keyboard, uh, sorry, a, a laptop or a tablet and you took the, the uh, key one to a coffee shop and typed out two scripts yeah. Now, yeah. I want to I want to, you know, cut the BS a little bit. Sure. Was that harder than it actually seemed on video because that seems like a lot of work. Yeah, and on video I do say it. Like it it took me an adaptation period. Like the first script was not very fun to write. Um the whole day I wouldn't do a whole day like that willingly, you know. I feel like that's a stunt that a lot of reviewers do and it's but I wanted to do it to to speci- that was right at the beginning of the review period, and I wanted to do it to like get my thumbs into shape for this, and that's where that was a very tender day for my for my fingers. So no, it, you know, it wasn't terribly fun to begin with. I sort of got into a groove though after a bit. Um, it was also a battery test, which I know we're going to hit in in a little bit, and um, so it was fun to split screen Microsoft Word and my reference material. And once I got into the groove, it was it was workable. Um, I like Kevin said, I I'm still faster on a virtual keyboard. The physical responses, I can't. I personally speaking, I can't separate it. But I can't separate my, my nostalgia enough to 
say if I would like it if I had never had a BlackBerry. But my first smartphone was a BlackBerry, and I got used to this, to just pounding out, literally pounding out live journal entries on a BlackBerry 7520 <laughs> in like 2005. So, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it's some part of that resides somewhere back in my in my brain, and it, I, I just can identify with it. So even though I'm not as fast, it, it feels better, as good or better than, um, than a virtual keyboard when I, when I do it. And bonus, you get to see my, what Michael looked like in 2005 in a short <laughs> yeah. clip from his days as, an, as a commercial actor yes. Yes. Uh, in his video oh. review, which was the highly entertaining. Quality. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, because you can see me wearing my old BlackBerry right on my hip where I used to wear it in the holster. That is one thing that I am missing for the Key One uh, is, is a really awesome holster that I can show everyone that I have a BlackBerry, so I'm deserving of respect. We could change so that. one will come along. <laughs> <laughs> there must be I a, can, an official I can call key up one. our manufacturer. We could have those dyes made by this time tomorrow, and we could start pumping <laughs> yeah. out Crackberry holsters like crazy. Please Perfect. have a picture of Mr. Mobile embossed on the front. Oh, I will yes. buy two. Hey, that's a question, actually. Did uh, the Priv uh, or uh, do do Android for any Android BlackBerry phone? Is there a holster with a magnetic trigger in it, like like the old school oh. BlackBerries? Yeah, I don't I think so. It has. I don't think I don't think the phones are built to do that. They need yeah, a component. They, they had a little reed switch in them, right? That would turn on yeah. the display well, when yeah, you withdrew. Yeah, you can. Yeah, black or Android usually uses a magnetometer. That's hard oh, word okay. to say. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't think the either the Priv or any of the DTECs or even the Key One are built to do that. Ah, shame. Shame. Well, nobody should wear a holster, so it's okay. As somebody who wore over-the-shoulder holsters for, what, a year, Michael? <laughs> I was just going to say, this from the guy who loves the LD West original, and I do. We Sheriff won't link Mr. to that Mobile. in the description below. <laughs> no, we should. Everybody needs to see that at least once because the it's amazing. Although you, you have a, They are amazing. You, you have an ally phones, on though. the Mobile Nations team with Ara. She loves those Ara, things. yeah. Yes. Yep. She All right, has, so she let, has taste. Let's, let's talk keyboard because this is why you're buying the phone. This is... Uh, you know, as much of, of the experience as, as you're going to get. Um, Blaze, this keyboard, okay, it's a little different. It's not, it's it's considerably better than the Priv, but it's a little different than what you'd find on, say, a Classic or a Bull 9900. Uh, it's glossier. It is, yeah. the, the frets are not as, con- or the, the keys are not as contoured. Um, does that, did that kind of jump out at you at all? Did you find that to be significantly different worse or different than going from like the, than using a, an older blackberry um it jumped out as uh, to me as something that has changed like okay this is this is different than pretty much all previous blackberry devices um but when it comes down to the actual usage of it, it i don't think that it hinders the usage in any sort of way it, it is different and you know it you don't necessarily have that curvature on the keys that were was previously there, but overall, I don't think it, that it um, it hinders the experience in any sort of way. There was no no essential learning curve with the the new keys or anything like that. The the one comment that I did make, um, and it was it was actually to Kevin, was that the keys felt kind of like a, a a little gummy to me. And what I mean by gummy is that they felt like a little a little bit sticky, like my thumbs didn't move across them in the exact same way 
yeah. uh, that they would on a priv or or a previous uh, BlackBerry device. Uh, it didn't seem didn't seem as smooth to me, but it, it, essentially I got over that as well. It was something that ju- I just happened to notice and, and make a comment of. And after that, once I got used to it, it, it rolled back into the exact same scenario. Yeah, and it's, not a big it's deal. as comfortable as ever. So, What about you, Jerry? I mean, uh, you you spent a lot of time with that Priv keyboard. Um, the the key one, it, it does, it gets a little, it, it gets a, like, especially if your fingers are sweaty or a little oily, it does. It does get a little slick. And and my my biggest and I didn't like it. I'll be honest with you. I was I was disappointed for two days. I even even the Priv and and most BlackBerry phones, the the keys, they have a corner you can feel with your thumb. You you know where one key starts and another key stops, and these don't. And then when you you add in the fact that your thumb may be wet or sweaty and it starts sliding and sticking around, you don't know exactly where your thumb is. At, at least at first, I didn't. Uh, I hated having to stop, look down every time I needed to use the shift key, for example, because I, I couldn't tell where it is. And if you use the BlackBerry, you got used to knowing where the keys were just because of the way you could feel them. But saying that, this turned out, I, I think because it's Android, this might be better. Uh, the, the BlackBerry keyboard gestures just tie into Android so well. And it wasn't hard to learn where the base keys are just by knowing where your thumb is to type. And now I think that it's probably better than any other BlackBerry style keyboard would work in Android. It's hard to describe. I think I think Blaze and Daniel, I think you you guys know exactly what I'm talking about because you were deeply entrenched in both systems. This just works better for Android. Yeah, well, part of the reason, Jerry, is, you, you know, if you think about the Bold 9900 keyboard, which w- was curved more like a smile, yes. and then they, they flattened it out. One of the reasons they... F- yeah, one of the reasons they flattened it out, though, was because it became a trackpad and you right. are doing gestures on the keyboard now. And it's the same thing with the buttons, right? When you have those ridges on the buttons that are more pronounced, it then makes swiping your thumbs right. left, right, up, down just not as smooth. So I, th- I think that's that's what makes it so nice now is by just flattening it out, making a straight line, it is much more gesture pad friendly. Um, but I do think you're right. It takes you maybe an extra day or two for your your thumbs to learn where they are. So I, I think I, I went, you know, it's been a while now that I've been using the phone. And I think I had the same thing as you. You know, the first couple of days I was looking at the keys a lot more as I was typing. But I don't look at them anymore, really. Like, I don't need to look for where that that shift is or the alt. Like, my thumbs just go to the right spots and, and seem to feel it out. So Yeah, I get, I get over that in two days after usage, so... The, the learning curve for me was a lot shorter than it was with the Priv, and it's very flat, horrible. Case. I never got used to the Priv. I'm yeah. impressed if you ever got used to it. I, I couldn't. Yeah. It was just too too damn shallow and just didn't feel nice. It know? didn't feel BlackBerry at all, in my opinion. You know, yeah. I, it, there was, there was it, no feedback. It was the only one. I think that's why me and a few other people ended up forcing ourselves to use it because there was nothing else now there is i think that's the thing too that i noticed about the priv is that like i throughout when the priv was being released we all used the keyboard but over a period of time i i I just 
stopped using the keyboard on the probe because it was too it was just too much of an action to me for me there wasn't the incentive wasn't there to actually flip open the device because the keyboard was not that great i literally used it as pretty much a full touchscreen device because the keyboard was like eh i can live without it because it wasn't in my face as what it is on the key 1 and it wasn't a good keyboard as what the key 1 is so the incentive just wasn't there to use it for me there are some like hinky bits where with how the keyboard interacts with Android, though, in terms of the predictive text, because, you know, I'll be in I, I do a lot of typing in Google Docs and um, I can't tell if it's Docs uh, or but I've also run into this problem in the mobile version of Word, where if you're editing an existing body of text and you backspace into a word you wrote as you go further backwards in the word you wrote, the predictive text will try to substitute in the midst of that backspace. So instead of getting the word getting smaller, the word will just progressively get larger with more and more nonsense. And uh, <laughs> there's a couple <laughs> little bits like that where you're like, ah, Android is not expecting a physical keyboard here. And, you know, like Steve, if Snapchat is hilarious to use with this thing because even though you have the physical keyboard, Snapchat will always show you the virtual keyboard on top of the physical keyboard. Yeah. So as you type, the BlackBerry words will, you know, pop up on their keys like you're using a, Z, a, a Z10 or a Z10. And uh, yeah, it's funny. There's just little little things you have to be aware of that are going to happen. Yeah, there's definitely a few little quirks with apps. And I mean, I think it really comes down to the fact that you said it immediately there that like the Android apps aren't expecting a physical keyboard. Yeah, I don't I think a lot of a lot of developers are probably going to, you know, I, I would hope that they would at least see the key one and try and start including that, especially Snapchat, because that's a huge app. And that is really kind of one of the biggest annoyances with the keyboard. I hope that, you know, either the developers figure that out or or uh, TCL figures it out to be able to go ahead and get that few minor quirks adjusted. But, you know, it's one of those things where, like you, you said it anyways, the, the apps just aren't expecting a physical keyboard. Yeah. We'll talk about um, we'll talk about the software in a sec, but I I just want to continue talking about this keyboard because Jerry, it's it's one of those interesting parts of Android where you know Android since you know maybe day four has supported mm. physical hardware and so, uh, physical hardware keyboards and mice, right? Um, and, right? And you've been able to plug in them, you know, or use a Bluetooth mouse on tablets. You can obviously use hardware keyboards externally, but Android treats the key ones keyboard like a physical keyboard, but it also integrates a virtual keyboard into the experience seamlessly yes. uh, and, and seamlessly meaning when it works because it didn't work until <laughs> they issued the patch yesterday, but when it works, it works great. So tell us a little bit about that because I'm I'm really interested. Obviously, there are these smart gestures. You swipe up in one of three quadrants to select an autocorrect word. You swipe left on the over the keys to go back. You can double tap anywhere on this uh, on the keys to go into a cursor mode. But these are all done through the software keyboard, right? Right. It, um, it's how do they interact? It, it's it's a lot easier than than you think. Uh, there's a software keyboard there all the time. You can actually go into the settings and check a box so that you see it while you're typing. It's there. It's just invisible. You are, you press a key on the physical keyboard and it's registered through the software keyboard to interact with Android. It's an extra step, but 
it's an awesome idea to make it work that way. That way, yeah, there's there's bugs in Snapchat because they want to show that keyboard all the time. Or uh, like Michael said, when you try to go back and fix a word, your only real choice is to highlight it and swipe it away and start over unless you want a big, long line of gibberish. But outside of that, it's it just works the same way any software keyboard would work. And it's really cool that somebody had the the foresight to realize they could save a lot of work and a lot of trouble if they just made it work through the the same keyboard mechanism that's every other Android phone has with an on-screen keyboard. Right. Have you guys done the really nerdy thing yet where you've set the sh- one of the shift keys to emulate the control key? Uh no. <laughs> no, oh, it's the greatest. If you go if you do go deep enough in the settings, you can set one of the shift keys left or right to emulate control. So instead of going up to the keyboard to do copy and paste, you can just highlight a string of text, hit control X, it'll cut it, and then hit control V and it'll paste it oh, wherever you want. Yeah, yeah. It is the yep. coolest. Yeah, that's that's awesome. To see that in action, check out Michael's video. <laughs> yes, on, on YouTube.com. So that's I mean that's another thing too, is I use one password all the time to input mm-hmm. to to securely input usernames and passwords and you can force the os to overlay the one password keyboard which allows you to quickly enter these passwords uh, on top of the physical one and it looks a little bit goofy but it works you know th- there are a few workarounds because this isn't like black android 7.1.1 nougat created in 2016 was not really designed for hardware keyboards, right? So so BlackBerry did a, they, they've done a few hacks, let's call them, to, to figure out how to make things work really well, but they did a great job. Um, and and Kevin, I, I want to talk about one of the other things that, that BlackBerry, the Canadian company, has done. That, so we have to differentiate the two. BlackBerry is making the software and TCL, BlackBerry Mobile does the hardware. Um, you know, coming from BlackBerry 10, a lot of people are going to want their hub they're going to want all of those same software experiences as they have on the on the blackberry 10 but you know it's not as easy to integrate those into android um you know is is the are, are the software are the apps and, and the software experiences on the key one things that draw you in or is it uh, have you kind of moved on to your regular android apps so for me and it's interesting because blaze will call me crazy so I think a few years ago, I kind of committed to using what Kevin Michalek wants to use, which is I don't want to be locked into anything. So it doesn't matter if I'm on an Apple device. It doesn't matter if I'm on a BlackBerry device. It doesn't matter if I'm on an Android device. I want to use the things that I want to use and not get forced into anything. So, you know, I use Dropbox. I use Evernote. I use uh, Gmail for my email app, typically even on an iPhone, for example. So when it comes to you know, BlackBerry 10, you had no choice but to use the hub and and buy into the BlackBerry way of doing things. When it comes to the key one, you know, I think if you are a BlackBerry 10 user and you you like all of those BlackBerry specific apps, uh, they work pretty well now. You know, the the hub is very robust. It's very feature rich. Um, You know, some of the swipe gestures are not there the way uh, they are in BlackBerry 10, but you can, for example, program your convenience key on the key one to launch the hub which basically gives you, you know, instant access to it from anywhere on the device. So you're accomplishing the same thing. Uh, but for me, I actually, like, I remove the hub from my key one. And, and it's simply uh, just the way I prefer to work these days. So I love the concept of a unified inbox for normal people, I guess I'd say. 
but I get hit with so many messages a day, whether it's emails or whether it's, uh, you know, pings on social from Twitter or stuff like that, that the unified inbox for me gives me ADD. Like I can't get work done in the day if, if everything is in one stream because there's so many things coming in from different so- uh, sources. There's always a new message every time I look at the phone. So I had to like mentally train myself to uh, work in a much more compartmentalized fashion. So for example, like when I, wa- when I have free time, that's when I will intentionally open up Twitter or Instagram and spend five minutes catching up on, on my tweets and my Instagrams. If I do that all day long and I get pinged all the time, I just won't get any work done. Uh, when it comes to email, for example, I rely on the Gmail filters a lot. So, you know, where, where it buries emails into the updates or social tabs, uh, I need that, right? My primary tab is like my important stuff. And the hub doesn't mirror that, that Gmail auto filtering. So for me to even connect my email to the hub, I end up having to troll through way more emails to get to the good stuff that Gmail does for me automatically. So, you know, those experiences are there. I think BlackBerry users who love them can get them, and they're, they're working pretty well on, on Android now and on the key one. Uh, but the thing I love about Android is flexibility. So if I don't want them, I can just remove them. I, th- I think the only thing I can't really remove is that DTech app. But anything else, if I don't want it, I'm not really forced into using it. Well, I'm, I'm curious, Jerry, do you, would you say the DTech app, which is, it stands for what, detection Detection, the, yes. The security app that is present on every Android phone that that's from BlackBerry. It shows you that you know all the all all the ducks are in a row when it comes to your hardware root of trust, your verified boot, your 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 root status, your security, all that. Is is that even a necessary addition? The the, the way it stands now. No, I heard a scoff. I'm, I'm, I yeah. I'm I'm sorry, guys. In Waterloo, Kirshner, wherever they they are nowadays. But you show that to the user, and if it's not okay, there's nothing they can do about it. That's not very useful. Uh, you, I, I don't think that they can do anything, you know, say, oh, your phone got rooted by some rogue app. Push this button to fix it. I don't think that's possible. So showing it to the user is... Maybe just a, a way to cheerlead, how, you know, this is secure, yay, hooray, and nothing more. Uh, a lot of people like it. They, they like to know at a glance there's a little speedometer there, and it's red, yellow, green. If everything is green, you're good to go, and it makes you feel better. By all means, use that puppy. Yeah. But for practical purposes, it can't really do much. I consider it just something to highlight as like a best practices scenario. You open the app, you look at it, it tells you what the what the current status is, and if something is like, um, you know, quote unquote messed up <laughs> in terms of like, you know, you don't have your your pin set or you enable developer options or something like that, it's going to point those things out to you. It's going to tell you what the best practices are for going ahead and changing those options, you don't necessarily have to listen to it. But like Jerry said, it's not going to fix any problems that come up or anything like that. It, it, it's, not a, it's not a solution for anything that happens on your device. It's just basically a recommendation engine for the best practices to increase the level of security on your device. The one thing that I do feel 
is beneficial within the application is um, the the glanceability factor to find out how often applications are you know pinging for your location and pinging for your contacts and stuff like that because even though I don't subscribe to the whole tinfoil hat scenario about being concerned about Facebook tapping into my contacts and stuff like that. There are plenty of people out there who do worry about those things. And, you know, they'd like to have a visual representation of how often Facebook is accessing their content. And for that, that DTech does do that. So uh, if you go in and you look at like Facebook, it will tell you, hey, Facebook accessed your location 365 times today. Uh, it tapped Which into your contacts. doesn't even sound like that absurd. Right. Uh, I'm that, looking, that's, a, that's a low level number that I just threw out there at the top of my head. Like this, it, From the last seven days, Snapchat has accessed my location 30,388 times. Right, exactly. Oh, wow. And wow. It, yeah. When you, when you think about it, I mean, that's, that's pretty damn excessive. But at the same time, you are obviously aware that like every time that you open snapchat they're going to be accessing these things like these are things that you agreed to when you installed the application so it shouldn't really be shocking right well I, but, yeah i've had the app installed for eight days and 30 i haven't <laughs> used it quite thirty thousand times but yeah right. anyway that's a sad thing but it, that's the thing that like it, people people do appreciate that information and that is the one particular spot where i find that dtech is beneficial to end users you can't, like Jerry said, it's not going to save you, you know, in terms of telling you how to fix your device or anything like that. But that sort of glanceability at that information is beneficial to some people. Yeah, I, I, I agree. The flip side is that it makes a, a user who may not pay attention to, you know, all the things they install, makes them think there's something wrong with Snapchat hitting your lo- your location. There's not. Yeah. You said it was okay to do it, and it uses that location to make the app better for you. And DTech kind of makes you think that it's a bad thing. Uh, maybe they need a little more explanation, or maybe that falls on Snapchat to make sure everybody knows why they they want to know where you where you are. Uh, I would like to see DTech hidden unless there's a problem. Yeah. No, no icon, no anything. If a problem yeah. shows up. Put a notification, uh, you know, a persistent notification that you can tap. I think that would be much better. Yeah, I agree. I actually had a, I actually had a problem with the DTEC app on not only it, it's not only on the key one. I had it happen on my DTEC sixty as well. And I say a very a problem very loosely because it's not really a problem, but it's just something that happened to come up, and it's worth mentioning because it's sort of like along the lines of what DTEC does. Um, so. I mean, between me and Jerry, me and Jerry are, are pretty geeky. We like digging into <laughs> the internals of the phones and stuff like that. And basically, I, I downloaded this one application. And the app, uh, let me bring up the name of it. It's called Activity Launcher. And what it does is it taps into all the like activities that you can basically access on your device. And it shows you a lot of hidden things that don't necessarily yep. have icons, right? Like when I when I open up the activity launcher now, I can see on the key one that there are additional settings for other carriers, so on and so forth. Anyways, I was playing around in that uh, the other day, and there's an application from TCL which is hidden, 
on the key one and using the activity launcher application, I launched that app and DTEC immediately popped up as <laughs> soon as I as soon as I launched that application, it determined, hey, the integrity of your device has been compromised. We Whoa. should go you should go ahead and reset your device. Whoa. Even though it was a even though it was a TCL application, like it was hidden from the end user, right? And I've had that happen uh, again on the DTEC sixty two with a different application from TCL. That's uh, wild. It, it was right. It's interesting. And once that happens, once that happens, even though you know, I, I fully acknowledge that was my problem. I launched the app. I knew it was something that I shouldn't be messing with. I, I did it. But the only way to actually go ahead and get rid of that is to reset your whole device. And I'm just not at that point in my life where I want to reset my device. <laughs> it's too much work, man. It's right. too old for that crap. I, I think that's a great thing, Blaze. I think you found a good reason to have DTEC around. Now, uh, TCL, BlackBerry, I, I want to know why you have that app there and what it's doing. Yeah, I want to know what the hell that app is. I mean, I know what it is and what it's doing, but I want you to explain <laughs> it to the rest of the world. How you I collect can, metrics and why. I can say why. what it is, but <laughs> it's actually a temp... A temperature monitor application. They monitor the temperature of your. I don't know if they monitor it, but that's what the application says. Anyways, interesting. Well, okay. So when you're not geeking out and installing activity monitors and doing all that detect stuff, you're just using the phone normally. This thing runs a Qualcomm Snapdragon 625 chip, three gigs of RAM, 32 gigs of storage. It's got a 3,505 milliamp hour battery. It's pretty big. So, Michael, you have feelings about this. You experienced a little bit, a couple hiccups through your testing, but all seems to be well. Do you think that the Key One is sufficiently powered by this Qualcomm platform? God, it's been such a freaking roller coaster the past, (laughs) (laughs) the the entire test period, right? the short answer is, for now, based on the experience I've gathered in the past less than a day, yes, I think at the moment it is sufficiently powered. If you'd asked me the same time yesterday, I would have told you, hell no, because the early software we were using, in my experience, was really slow. Slow to the point where I disabled the hub after Jerry talked me through some kind of black magic stuff where I was looking at terminal screens. I was like, Jerry, what are all these numbers? you ruined my phone by having me do stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I appreciate your sacrifice. Thanks. That's why I gave you a special thanks credit. Um, But I was obsessed with, like, I was like, I had used a Moto Z Play and it runs the same silicon and has the same amount of RAM and it it runs like a dream. Why is this such a dumpster fire? And then it wasn't suddenly. Then it was, I gave it the requisite time after the update. I'm like, is this just new update syndrome? Seems faster. No, it's, it it's actually runs like it should now. It runs like it did back in Vegas, back at MWC, et cetera. So yes, um, I think it, it's it's well-powered right now. That said, I, I know there is a, probably a sequel to the 625 due quite soon. It's over a year old now. Um, and frankly given BlackBerry's history with updating the Priv, where it, every update just made it slower, you know, I, I can't say I'm not concerned. I'm a little worried about the future prospects for the phone. But right now, today, yeah, I'm happy with it. Kevin, uh, you've had this uh, longer than us. Have How's your battery life? Have you Have you had to charge it every day? I mean, I do charge it every day when I go to bed. That's just my ritual habit. But battery life's fantastic. 
It's uh, uh, it's probably my favorite feature. If you watch my slightly long-winded uh, review video that went up, it's basically a 13-minute you know love fest for the battery life of the Key One. Um, it's become a game to try to kill it before you know I'm tired, and it it always outlasts me. And uh, I love it. I think that's, you know, when it comes down to like going after a, a niche audience, as we were talking about earlier and, and thinking about like, what's BlackBerry's ongoing space in, in smartphones? Because obviously the story of the key one is the keyboard. They own that space. They're going to continue to own that space. But, you know, I think they're going to do more, more phones and, you know, maybe the next one's a touchscreen phone, in which case you have uh, lots of competitive options out there to choose from. I really hope BlackBerry leans into this angle of like utility first. And to me, that means any phone they put on the market from now till forever, I want it to have this kind of battery life right. because it, it's, it's, it fundamentally changes, I think, how you use the product. And, and I think one thing I didn't realize until I had the key one is I think I subconsciously throttle back my smartphone usage to some extent out of like a, a, a fear that my battery's not going to last the day. You just, you don't think about it. You just, you know, you, you don't do certain things on your phone that maybe you would if you knew the battery was just never going to die. And I'm not like Mr. Bo- Mobile where I walk around with battery packs around, around the city. You know, I'm like, I want that phone to just last. And, um, and the key one does. And I mean, it, it's to the point too where I'll go, you know, to a coffee shop and use it as a Wi-Fi hotspot on my laptop for three hours. Uh, and it, you know, it doesn't even phase me. I'm not thinking about doing that. I'm not looking for, you know, looking for a place to charge. It just does it. And I think roaming also is always the ultimate test, you know, because when you're, A, I think roaming is just kind of harder on batteries, but, you know, when you're traveling, you just use your phone more. You're, you know, using Google Maps, you're using Uber, you're using all these things that you don't really need to when you're at home. And when you're traveling, you're not connecting to Wi-Fi all the time, which tends to help battery life also. You're, you're paying the networks hard. And, you know, whether I go to New York, whether it was Barcelona, whether it's in any of the other cities I've been visiting these past couple months, and I've been traveling a lot, the key one is just, it's a champ, right? Yeah. The battery has never let me down. There was, um, you know, one day I was in New York and, and I lent the phone out to uh, Mark Wim, our videographer who lives there, and he was just taking pictures of the key one around New York. So I switched back to, oh, maybe it was the DTEC 60 that day. And, and I think the next day I switched to an iPhone for a day. Yeah, it was the 60 that you killed. The batteries were dead by like 8, 8.30 <laughs> p.m. I'm down to like 10%. And I'm just like, what's going on? And, you know, you get the key one back and I'm like, oh, it's, you know, 45% and it's 1 a.m. or 2 a.m. And, and I was using the phone way harder than, than I was with these other phones. And days. just keep in mind, the DTEC 60 has a Snapdragon 820. So this is not some like Snapdragon 810 fire you know dumpster fire this is like a pretty efficient chip so i don't know it was uh, yeah, no uh, comparison no comparison and i mean to, to some extent like that was that was the selling point like when i used the phone for the first time at mobile in mobile world congress uh, in barcelona the blackberry mobile rep was saying how they could have used a snapdragon 835 or a, a slightly more powerful qualcomm chip but decided to Go with the 625 because of its battery legacy. It's got a, it's got eight cores, eight A53 cores, super efficient, 14 nanometer process. Uh, and and Michael alluded to a, an upgrade that's coming out uh, soon, and and that's true. But I don't think it's going to fundamentally change the product. So, you know, you're looking at a 
um, hint, hint. And you're, you're looking at a, you know, a <laughs> fairly, a fairly moderate, like moderate update, and it's not going to really affect the battery. So, you know, this is still going to be Qualcomm's battery champ. And, and you think about it from that perspective, they probably made the right decision. Yeah, I I also want to agree with 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 Kevin on the battery usage too. Like I I have not been able to kill this thing um in the course of a single day. I've never gone to bed having depleted the battery the, at all. And, I mean, it's, uh, it's six p.m. It's almost six p.m. Eastern t- right now, and my battery oh, is yeah. at eighty four percent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I looked earlier. Yeah, I'm at seventy nine. So that's that's saying something. I'm down to 42%, but I've been I've literally watched every new BlackBerry Key 1 video there is today streaming that audio to my Bluetooth headset and I've done most of that outside at maximum brightness. So it's yeah. been going since yesterday. What? And really? I'm at yeah, I'm at 45% with 22 hours left on it and that's since yesterday. I haven't that's charged insane. it since yesterday. Wow, it's <laughs> nuts. It's nuts. Um and uh, there's a, uh, I think I told Kevin this the other day, like, you know how, I don't know if you guys have parents like mine, but my parents will often leave their phone out with the screen on, just just hanging out on a table for, for minutes and minutes on end, and it drives me nuts. I'm like, turn that screen off. Stop. What are you doing? You're wasting your battery. But I do that with this. I have it set to like 10 minutes or something, and I just sort of leave it around. <laughs> I went out yeah. the other day to play Ingress with 29% battery left, and I walked around for 90 minutes. I didn't kill it. It's it's. Did you? That's cool. I was looking for somebody that played Ingress or Pokemon Go or something with this thing. Yep. And it's nice to hear that it the battery life translates well while you're doing something like that, too. Yeah, I was surprised. I was not only playing Ingress, I was also listening to a podcast once again, streaming to Bluetooth that entire time, and it was an hour oh, and a half and I didn't kill it. Then hell, you would have killed any other phone, period. Yep. I can't think of a phone that would have survived that except maybe one of the new Motos. The Moto Z the same chip. Yeah, the same chip and a big battery. So there you go. Yep. Uh, And just like completely off topic, but I spoke to a a, a Motorola engineer when I was in Chicago in November and they were talking about the Z Play. And the guy said, um, and this is on the record, so I'm I'm not breaking any any NDAs, but he said that they optimized the Z Play for the 625. Like it was built from the ground up with that chip in mind. Every single software tweak was made to benefit the 625's long battery. So That's awesome. You know, when you think about it, the fact I don't I don't know how much optimization was done for the key one, but even if there wasn't, the fact that this is getting, you know, two day battery life with pre production software. Yeah is pretty <laughs> remarkable. And that's, that's to, to expand on that a little more from what I can tell, and I didn't have any anything to do with building the software, so the Android part is really well optimized. It uses the right cores when it should, and the governor and the kernel pretty much nails it when it should run fast and when it should run slow, but the BlackBerry suite of apps are just totally not. They just try to right. do everything all at once mm-hmm. and that that's a problem which we'll mm-hmm. hopefully get i mean yes. the, the other thing is they you know blackberry updates the apps through the play store so potentially those could be updated later absolutely that's i'm sure they're aware of it if if i am they certainly know and they know a lot more than i do about it all right so let's let's finish up talking about um a, a couple odds and ends camera um you know this is something that 
not wasn't like a huge deal, but Michael summed it up really nicely. This has the same fundamentals as the Google Pixel, but it certainly does not produce the same quality photos as the Google no. Pixel. Um, let's talk about that a little bit, Michael. So, uh, yeah. what what have you found uh, about the camera? What what are its quirks? Its its pluses? Its minuses? So on the plus side, a lot of the photos can, I, I think, can hang. Like I can fire up the camera with a double tap on the power button, which is very convenient. It launches pretty quickly. I wish it launched a, a little bit faster, but I haven't used it much since the update. Um, the viewfinder is pretty g- generic. You know, it's whatever. You, you, you can shoot with the space bar, which is great. The experience of using the camera is okay. The photos, once you get them off the screen, which I think is nothing special... You know, the photos, a lot of the photos hold up really nicely. And you just do a little bit of tweaking in Instagram, which I always do. I take most of my pictures for Instagram. This this can this can hang with any current camera out there. Even in low light, I was preparing to share some Starship photos, side-by-side Starship photos, uh, which I took with the BlackBerry and the Google Pixel, expecting the Pixels, expecting to favor the Pixels result. But in fact, the key one in that particular instance produced the more dramatic shot. Uh, in other cases, the Pixel really whips it. You know that HDR plus is is really tremendous on the on the Google Pixel, but it's certainly the best camera that a, I think a BlackBerry has ever sported, and um, it's not one that I would hesitate to leave the house with. It is not my first choice. I would rather have a Pixel. I would rather have a, a Galaxy S8, um, but it's it's really good. Would you rather have a Jelly? oh well you can always carry a jelly anyway that's true (laughs) yeah you don't even need a holster yeah (laughs) you could probably carry a jelly in a in a key one and you wouldn't even know yeah just slap it on the back and if you don't know what we're talking about check out mr mobile's youtube channel that's right please do um kevin you have taken a crap ton of photos and some of them have been phenomenal um how, how do you feel this compares to I mean, a any other BlackBerry phone, and, and b the the phones that you came from. Sure. So, d- I mean, definitely the best camera on a BlackBerry we've seen to date. Uh, I think BlackBerry tried really hard on the Priv to get the camera to be stellar. I just don't. I don't think it ever actually fully delivered on that uh, intent. They've been but trying I think, real hard since the Passport. <laughs> yeah, and I, but I think with the Key One, you know, they put in obviously they put in uh, a, a proven sensor for the most part or a proven camera um I, i've been super happy with it like i think i I'd, I'd echo what michael said i think uh i've i use it all the time it takes good shots you know certain conditions low light etc i'm not as happy as maybe i i know i could be with a couple other phones out there but it's totally a capable shooter you know and it has pretty good selfie game on the uh the front facing <laughs> camera um, yeah, surprisingly, you know, I, actually. I, yeah, and I did a lot of comparison photos when I first got it, you know, comparing to a Google Pixel, comparing to an iPhone. And, you know, same thing that Michael said, right? Certain conditions, it takes actually, I think, the better photo, and then other conditions, it just falls a little short. Uh, the one thing that's interesting is the camera app has some built in filters that you can apply before you take the photo. And what I found is the, the default setting on auto takes a pretty like realistic natural photo that compared to say the default settings on an iPhone or a, a Samsung Galaxy or even the Pixel they don't feel as punched up like i think all these companies have just taken their their default settings and they make them look a little bit better than real life punching up the colors to be a bit more vibrant than what your eyeballs actually see 
and it's just what the expectation is when you when you hit the shutter. And I think the key one is a little bit more accurate. But if you set the filter to vivid, then it's a little bit more on par with these other, uh, you know, kind of out of the box settings. And, you know, I, I don't know, I, I monkey around in pro mode sometimes and I usually end up taking worse photos. So I just tend to put stuff <laughs> in auto and, and call it a day. So every, every photo you've seen me post, it's like auto, nothing, nothing but. A nerd look at the camera confirms that, Kevin. Uh, I've got, you know, all the, the color charts and stuff here to, to see how it renders color. The uh, Key One does an excellent job of making white white. Uh, the Pixel makes it a little too yellow. The Galaxy S8 and iPhone make it a little too blue. The Pixel makes white actually white. And in a lot of cases, that makes a huge difference when you look at a photo. Interesting. Interesting. You know what? I, I've kept it on manual, and, and Michael pointed this out to me. BlackBerry remembers what setting you left the app in. Isn't that awesome? So instead of having to manually switch to manual or pro mode every time that just stays on manual, which I, I love because I use it and I, I would like to use my galaxy S eight, my LG G six, my iPhone seven, whatever phone I have in manual by default, and, but it does, doesn't let you do that. Um, the BlackBerry key one lets you do that. And it's got a pretty good manual mode. Not only that, but you can see the settings change as you're moving the, the viewfinder around. So It'll show you the ISO. It'll show you the the color temperature, the white balance. It'll show you the shutter speed. I really dig that as a photo nerd. Yes. That makes me so happy. See, yeah, I need. They, I really need Android Central to write an article on how to take pro photos with the Key One because I will read <laughs> that article and I will follow your instructions. To, well, you're my boss, so consider it done. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. The, the, Finally, the camera, it pays off for something. <laughs> the the camera interface, I think, is a, a gorgeous balance that. You know, quite frankly, Apple and Samsung are trying to reach. And for me, BlackBerry got it before they did. Nailed it. What I want is there, and what I don't want to see is hidden and just a tap away. And you can do 4K video, but you probably shouldn't. Not on this chip. Yeah, Uh, Yeah, stick to 1080. Stabilization is not enabled in that that setting. I haven't, haven't tried with the update, but before it shuts off regularly right about six minutes. I mean, it just, the phone shuts down. Yeah, I mean, that's not uncommon for no, a lot no. of phones today. The, even the Galaxy S8 can only shoot 10 minutes of 4K video. So, yeah, it's just, that's just hard on any chip. But, yeah, I mean, the, the stabilization, the, the lack of optical image stabilization, I would say is the, is the main knock against the camera. Uh, but what, do you, what else do you, like, what, what do you expect from a $550 phone? Um, and that kind of leads me into the final discussion, which is the price. You know, we know that this is coming out on May 31st. It's a few days away still. And we know that it's coming to a bunch of Canadian carriers. And we know that it's coming to Sprint in the U.S. and unlocked on BlackBerryMobile.com. It's likely going to come to other carriers. But let's talk price. Um, Michael, is this too expensive or is it is it okay if it is going to have a presence at the carrier's? For normal folks, I think it's I think it is too expensive. I think you can spend one hundred and fifty dollars less and get or a hundred dollars less and and get really really excellent phones uh, right now. I think though, if you really want a physical keyboard or you really want some of the other stuff that BlackBerry offers that you can't just install on another phone, and that's a list that's pretty short. 
Um, well, you really have no options, right? I feel like people have called me out in the comments for saying like, well, it's the best Android keyboard. Okay, well, it's good. it is the only Android keyboard too. But even even if it that were not so, if for some reason we had three more manufacturers out there like Motorola or HTC kicking out phones that had physical keyboards, this would still be the best. I'm, I'm confident in saying because of all the extra features BlackBerry puts on there, many of which are very useful. So it all comes down to whether you want that keyboard. And if you do, this is a it, then it then it's worth it. It's worth what you'll pay for it, right? I don't know, man. I'm talking myself in circles here because I really like the thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's too cheap because I, I pick it up and I'm well, like, what a surprise! I'm like, it's a premium <laughs> feeling phone. Like, maybe they'll make up, a Porsche edition for you. Yeah, but I I pick it up and I I pick up my iPhone or I pick up my Pixel or I pick up my I picked up a Galaxy S8 just to you know see it. And then I pick up this and it's considerably less expensive. But when I pick it up, I don't feel that it should be, right? It's got, like, the density to it. It's oh, got God. premium yeah. materials. It feels good. Like, I would rather they maybe threw in a fourth gig of RAM, gave me 120, you know, gigs of memory by default and charged me an extra 150 bucks or whatever it would be to just go, like, full-out premium on it. Give me an OLED screen, too. Um, so I think where with what they put in, the price is, is cool, but, you know... I don't know. I, to me, it's still a premium feeling phone, so I'd be willing to pay like premium dollar if they took it to that next level. I just want to just lump, jump right on the tail end of that and say you're absolutely right. And if BlackBerry could put these in as many hands as possible, that would be great. Because like VR and whatever that other thing I always say is um, that you have to experience to appreciate. Oh, smartwatches. 360? Uh, yeah. Oh, 360 too. Snapchat but, uh, glasses. This, the, 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 the key one, like when you pick it up, it's like damn oh man you drop it in your pocket and goes thunk, and it's <laughs> like wow this i'm carrying around a heavy thing this is awesome yeah it's it's the great parts of the old uh lg v10 without the bad parts i love the way it's built <laughs> yeah yeah i agree with michael and kevin both at the same time but my only the only issue that i deal or try and deal with is when it comes to canadian prices because i'm canadian and i'm going to be buying these things from Canadian places. So for the US pricing, I think it's fine, you know? It's great for US pricing, but I worry with the Canadian dollar how it might be. Yeah, but the contract price is 200 Canadian on a 2-year contract. That's pretty reasonable. I mean, the the freaking S8, I think is is it double that Daniel or Yeah, it's it's double that, like, but um but the Canadian carriers, they subsidize $500. So yeah. if you think about it from that way, it's two hundred dollars, which means it's going to be seven hundred outright. The Galaxy right. S nine or the Galaxy S eight is nine hundred dollars or so, or right. it's actually more. It's a thousand. So when you look at it from that perspective, one ninety nine is the introductory on contract price. This thing will drop to zero dollars within a few weeks, um, if not if not earlier, because this is the only way that carriers actually compete in Canada. So I, I wouldn't no. worry too much about the pricing. Wait, in they compete? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But I mean, the they don't they never compete on plan prices except in Winnipeg for some godforsaken reason. Um, <laughs> well, because Kevin's there. Oh yeah, that's it's right. funny. You know what's really funny? I actually uh, went to pick up four SIM cards from Rogers last week because I have these Crackberry meetups we're doing, and I and I have four key ones with me that are demo devices, and I, I just need them on on SIM cards. I go to a kiosk, he looks up my plan, because I'm just adding them as additional data lines to my plan, and he's like, 
hey, you're on a national retention plan. You must have called in one day. They complained. They gave you this thing. You, you know, you have 10 gigs of data at an okay price. He's like, what? you're in Winnipeg, man. Let's bump you up to the 16 gig plan. It's $30 cheaper. Da, 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 da. <laughs> so I, I totally took advantage of the Winnipeg uh, cheap discount. And I yeah, didn't even right. know. I should know these things. And I just don't know. I just oh, pay the freaking bill. I pay $160. Last time I called them, I threatened to cancel them. They told me, you can go. <laughs> they were like, we don't want you no more. You have a plan that we can't get rid of. So bye. <laughs> well, one thing I want to say about the price before we move on is uh, I know you can buy a phone from Motorola that is everything the key one is minus the keyboard and the, the metal build for 100 bucks cheaper. The next cheap phone from Motorola is not going to be a hundred bucks cheaper. Component prices, the, the political climate scared the people who make the components and they jacked their prices way up. It costs Samsung, for example, 10 to 15% more to build a phone. So TCL is not making as many phones as Samsung. It's probably costing them a lot more, you know, maybe 25 or 30% more to build a phone. They're not going to eat that price. We are. So expect, you know, five, five fifty, five hundred, right around there. That's a, a going to be a a one plus three Motorola introductory Galaxy J price next year. I'm Oof. I'm confident in that. That is that is harsh, Jerry. What a I'm, what a damp. I the hope mood. I'm wrong, but it's if it costs more to build it, it's going to cost. You more to buy. No, no doubt. All Jerry is saying is just go buy a key one. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for joining, for joining us on a special edition AC podcast. Uh, we'll, we'll go around the table because I want everybody to know a little bit more about the, the guests who, who aren't on the show as often. Blaze, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me at crackberry.com. You can also find me on Twitter at BLA1ZE and Instagram at BLA1ZE. There's some awesome shots taken with the key one on my Instagram, so check it out. And one day we'll get an explanation as to why there's a one and not an I. <laughs> <laughs> you will eventually, I promise. Awesome. Well, thank you. Kevin. What about you? Where you, you don't you're not as public facing these days unless you're coming out for Blackberry, but where can yeah. people find you? So if you want to hear me talk Blackberry and see lots of epic Instagram photos, follow me at Crackberry Kevin on Instagram, Twitter. You can find my articles on crackberry.com. And if you want the more uh, boring business Kevin persona, you can follow at Kevin Michaluk, M-I-C-H-A-L-U-K on uh, on Twitter. I'm a little bit active there, but busy so not active as active as i'd like to be yeah you're you're a busy guy that's okay you you have you have reason to be mr mobile michael fisher yes thank you for joining us Thank you for having me. And uh, I am, I'm all over the internet as well, and I'm usually at the Mr. Mobile, T-H-E-M-R-M-O-B-I-L-E, on YouTube. Oh, on YouTube, I'm the Mr. Mobile as well. But on uh, Snapchat, that's the different one. I'm Mr. Mobile Snaps, M-R-M-O-B-I-L-E, Snaps. And, and just uh, a, a quick question. How much longer is your amazing giveaway going on for? 
Oh, right. I still have to plug that. Well, oh, well, it's probably over now that this is, by the time this is published, uh, it will have, submissions will be closing in six hours. So, yeah. So it was, it was great. And uh, I'll be contacting winners for weeks and weeks because we're giving away a huge pile of gadgets one at a time. But um, tune in for the next one because. And there will be a next one. I, there I might be have because Who knew companies were so like happy to say like, yeah, totally. You can. We'll give you free stuff to give away. Awesome. Yeah, I yeah. might have entered a couple thousand times with a fake name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you missed it, there's a 4K TV. There's a bunch of phones. There's some really cool battery packs. So um, go watch that video. Go subscribe to I, Mr. I think Mobile. you can win a BlackBerry Key One. Did I promise you, you one, Michael? You did. Yes. You did, in fact. Yes. And I, since I don't have it in the office, I'm just saying anyone can. Uh, it can be any version people want. So. Well, hashtag yeah. synergy. Yeah, <laughs> synergy. <laughs> Speaking of hashtag, Jerry Hildenbrand, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, uh, Android Central, most of the time. Uh, Twitter, you can find me. It's at G-B-H-I-L. That's just the name I've used on the internet forever and a half. One day I'll get Instagram sorted out and build a new account. They didn't like my old account. Oh, but that's uh-huh. that's about it. I... I would like to see you on Instagram and Snapchat, actually. I, I was on Instagram for almost a week, man. And then I ran afoul. Oh. Oh. I can't get you mad can at tell. anybody. Well, nah, not, no, nothing juicy, just very, very dumb. Mm. Well, speaking of very, very dumb, <laughs> my name is Daniel Bader. Thank you so much for joining us. You can find me at Journey Dan on Twitter. I like to be self-deprecating. It's my thing. You can find me. I do it too. That's funny. I like it. um, Wasn't me. Twitter (laughs) at Journey Dan. You can find my writing at Android Central. Read my review, which I stayed up quite late to finish last night. You can find us all at Mobile Nations. Thanks again for tuning in. We will see you next week. Bye.